man, it's great to hear that music again, that title in town in Chicago. We might as well be in Chicago. It's snowing here in Kansas City, episode number two, year number two. That's right, man. We went all year, did 46, maybe 47 episodes of great shows on the lighter side of baseball. It wasn't always on the lighter side of baseball. Some people called it the grumpy side of baseball, but whatever it was, it was informative, it was predictive, if that's a word, and uh, we were pretty spot on with what went on in terms of division champs, World Series champs, uh, MVPs, Rookies of the Year, etc., etc., and I'm pumped up because this is Pitchers and Catchers Report Week, and what could be better than pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training. I'm going down to Scottsdale in a couple of days, and I plan on seeing the Cubs, the White Sox, and everything in between. It is going to be a lot of fun. But before we get to that, let's cover a few things. And we can't cover everything today because there has been so much going on from the Hall of Fame elections to the 100-year anniversary of the Negro Leagues to the cheating scandal, which continues to grow. And many, many other things, including a revised format proposed for playoffs. The Pakota standings came out. Joe Madden's given Theo a little bit of grief. Exactly what I said. The problem was in Chicago. And Theo continues to stick his head in the sand and pretend that that's not true. Anyway, the Cubs missed the boat big time. Salary cap, no salary cap, luxury tax. They missed the boat on bets. The bets boat sailed, and they weren't on it. Unbelievable. I'm not sure they even tried. And this luxury tax, give me a break. I go back to the Royals going for a billion dollars. If the Royals go for a billion, the Cubs are in the three to four billion range. Come on. Give me a break if you go over the luxury tax and vote for a bigger luxury tax. Come on. This is absolutely ridiculous. You want to raise my season tickets a bit? Great. Speaking of that, I improved my tickets. I can't wait to get out to Wrigley Field and see where my new tickets are because they're in the vicinity of the on-deck circle in row 12 or 13. I'm right in front of uh, relatives, so we have four seats between the family, and maybe I can convince them to let me use a couple seats during the season on more than one occasion. So I am pumped for that. Got my Royals tickets. I'm pumped for that. But back to the Cubs. My goodness gracious. Betts and David Price and the Red Sox are paying half of Price's salary. They're coming up with $44 million to get rid of David Price, a premier left-handed pitcher who has never, ever pitched in the National League. So, advantage Price faces a pitcher, not a DH, and gets to hit. What could be better than that? So you say, why in the world are you talking about bets to Chicago? Look, the Dodgers continue to just lay it on. They don't do anything all year, and by the end of the offseason, they have been the best, most productive team going. And not that I believe the Pakota standings, although they did bat 500 last year with their predictions. They say the Red Sox uh, will finish second to the Yankees and at least last year. But more importantly, the Dodgers are the only team to go over 100 game win, according to Pakota, which I find hard to believe. Be that as it may, here's the deal. The Cubs surely need a left fielder. They have been trying to find a fit for uh, the left fielder. And my goodness gracious, Schwarby would be great in Boston as a DH. Wouldn't that be great? Betts in left field for the Cubs. Schwarber in the lineup every day as a DH for the Red Sox. Are you kidding me? Now, Theo probably wouldn't make that deal because he's got too big an ego and he doesn't want to help the Red Sox. Man, oh man. Throw in Almora. Throw in whoever. Get Betts and Price unbelievable that the Cubs never even tried to do that, at least not publicly, and uh, can't believe it. What a great fit. Oh, man, lick your chops, but no, 
Price and Betts to the Los Angeles Dodgers, they get better all the time. Do they sit on their championship years? No. They just reload, retool, and come back for more, and they're improved. So they're going to be in the hunt. Anyway, we've got that trade to discuss. We've got the Theo and Joe controversy, um, and I'm going to go through each division a little bit and pick my favorite team. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the cheaters and uh, what's going on with that in the next segment. But in this segment, I just wanted to come back and say what we've been doing on the lighter side of baseball, and uh, we're going to do at least 40 podcasts this year. We are still pursuing more sponsors. We think we got one wrapped up, uh, and that would be my friend at the Papakinos. We're going to be there for some podcasts at the Pizza Papakinos. That's going to be good. We've been approached by a couple other entities and we'll just have to uh, see how that goes throughout the course of the year. But by God, this show can sustain itself. In fact, we can have some exciting activities at Papakinos. I've already started to think about uh, little bonuses for people at Papakinos. And, uh, you know, I'm just kidding big time because my friend, actually his wife, listens to all these podcasts. And our audience is growing. Speaking of uh, Mr. Euro meets Papakino and his lovely wife, She's a big listener, and uh, we appreciate that, and we appreciate everybody listening. We need to make a big push to get this out and about, because I think everybody's talking about this show. They're talking about how great it is, and we don't have to pull any punches because we have no allegiance to anybody other than to tell the truth, other than to give our uh, position on all these issues, and it's going to be a fun year, not to mention spring training but also talking about the cheating champs of 2017, talking about the Red Sox who are waiting their punishment. I will be shocked if Dombrowski doesn't get banned from baseball for at least a year. And the fact that uh, we're going to go into some of this Astro stuff here in a minute after the break. But let me just remind everybody, A, send this to your friends and tell them that they can get this podcast for free on iTunes at Search The Lighter Side of Baseball or Spotify, search The Lighter Side of Baseball or SoundCloud, search on The Lighter Side of Baseball. Don't ask me why we got that little distinction. I don't know. I don't care. I'm in a great mood because we are getting ready for spring training, which means then we get to go up north and dodge snowflakes like it's snowing here today. For the opener at Wrigley Field. <laughs> Unbelievable. Luckily, the Cubs open inside at Miller Park, soon to be named American Family Field or whatever. I mean, really? How in the world, from the beer capital of America, from Schlitz to Miller to you name it, with you in the broadcast booth, can they change the name to AmFam Field or whatever? Part of the greedy, and I like Mr. Antanasio. We'll get to why I like him so much, but come on, folks, this is crazy. The um, new playoff format is all designed to make more money. Just call it the way it is. The juiced balls is designed to get the interest up. They need to shorten the game, and I'm kind of wandering around because that's what I always do. Whatever pops into my head, I like to talk about. And so... Today is no exception to what I like to talk about, and we've mentioned a lot of different topics, and I'm going to talk at the end of this uh, uh, first segment a little bit about the teams that I think made the best moves in the offseason. Number one, the Cincinnati Reds. Everybody's picking them to win the Central Division. I don't think they will. I think the Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs will be right there above Cincinnati, but you never know. Everybody's picking the New York Mets. I don't think they really did much to help themselves. The Philadelphia Phillies with my man, one of the two dogs, Bryce Harper. Yeah, I don't think so. And then the Yankees, who are very boring to like and love to hate. They had a pretty good offseason just signing Garrett Cole. And uh, you got the cheating champs down in the uh, American League West, but I do like the Angels. And so there's some fun teams that I think uh, I'm going to follow. The Reds are going to be fun. The um, Rays and the Red Sox should be fun. The Central Division of the American League is kind of the boring league. 
Um, you know, the Twins, the Indians, White Sox. Now, the White Sox had one of the best off-seasons going. That was cool. We'll go over some of their additions in a little while. Cubs did nothing. And, uh, you know, what's that going to hold? They've still got Chris Bryant. They've been dangling him to everybody, but nobody's biting with uh, what Theo wants. And uh, so anyway, let's take this opportunity a little bit to talk about what I did during the uh, offseason. Number one, the first episode of season two came to you live from Cape Town, South Africa, where we went down to Open Arms Home for Children. We made that podcast a real... um, Request for people to go on the website, check out Open Arms Home for Children, and maybe reach down in your pocketbook because it's awesome to contribute a little bit of money to these kids down there. And speaking of contributions, that's where Mr. Antanasio comes in. You'll recall we had a golf tournament two years ago, the last Davy Nelson golf tournament before it turned into the Randall McDaniel golf tournament, and we raised 120 grand between the Brewers doing the um, the 50-50 deal and giving us their proceeds and then uh, the golf tournament, the auction, and uh, Mark Antanasio and his lovely wife agreed at the memorial service that we did for my good friend Dave Nelson. They agreed to match the pot and uh, so they sent a check for 120 grand matching the pot. God love them. I mean, that is spectacular. Now, You know, some people say things off the cuff, and I'm not sure how prepared the remarks were from Mark about matching the pot or if he had any idea what the pot might be to match. But true to his word, he didn't hesitate. He wrote a check, sent it to open arms, and uh, my good friend Bob Solis, father of Sammy Solis, who we'll talk about a little bit in a minute, uh, Bob took that uh, money, looked around, bought an adjacent farm to the home, and uh, on that farm, <laughs> and on that farm, there was a, no, I'm not going to sing yet. On that farm, there was a beautiful house, and that's going to be the transitional house named Uncle Davy's Place for Dave Nelson. We went over there for the dedication in South Africa, and then after that, uh, we had a little memorial service uh, pursuant to Dave's wishes with respect to uh, a ceremony uh, where he and his mom were finally laid to rest with uh, that ceremony uh, being attended with Bob and Sally Solis and Kay and me. And, uh, you know, it was great. It was spectacular. And then we went on to Cape Town where we did the first episode along with Rick Waits, former pitcher for the Brewers and the Indians, and a good friend of Dave's. So that was fun, and I urge everybody to listen to it. And uh, go check out Open Arms Home for Children, because uh, that was cool. But Mr. Antanasio made it happen. Uh, The Brewers continue to uh, uh, be great supporters of Dave Nelson's legacy and uh, the Open Arms Home for Children. We're going to have the golf tournament September 18th, 2020, 2020, back up in Minnesota. And Randall McDaniel is going to be the uh, host a lot of Vikings will be there. Alfred Anderson, who we played with, I hope will be there again, and uh, some other guys. So um, that will be spectacular. Um, on a um, sad note, one of the gentlemen who came to the golf tournament last year, Hall of Famer Chris Dolman, passed away after a lengthy battle with brain cancer. I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with Chris last September. And what a nice man. What a battler. That's a, just a tough, tough disease. Any form of cancer is really a bad disease to fight for and fight through. Chris did that. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'm really glad for the opportunity to spend 10 or 15 minutes with that Hall of Fame NFL football player who was awesome in coming up to the golf tournament and lending his support uh, during a period of time when he was battling and, and trying hard to uh, survive. Another sad, tragic note to report was the death of my buddy Nellie's son, David Earl Harrison Nelson. He passed away this past weekend, and uh, that's a sad thing. And, and uh, 
difficult for all the uh, friends and relatives of Nellie to uh, to have David pass at such an early age in life. But um, it makes you appreciate how fragile and how short life is. And so, you know, all I can say is what Nellie would say and what his son would say and everybody else go out and enjoy every day and make it a special day uh, and do what you can to help your fellow man because that's what counts. So I'm not going to get much further into into uh, my philosophies on life. And when we start segment two, we'll get back down to the brass tacks of the upcoming baseball season. So that is uh, the end of segment one, folks. And uh, it's going to be a great, great year. And we are looking forward to spring training, opening day, the season, etc. So this is Jamie Retzke on the lighter side of baseball. We'll be back in just a few minutes. And we are back on the lighter side of baseball. And uh, as the snow continues here in Kansas City, I can't get out of town fast enough to uh, get down to Scottsdale, play a little golf, see some friends, go to some baseball games, and just generally have a great time. And then we head to California. And uh, we'll do a couple podcasts in between. But I want to talk a little bit about where we ended up maybe a podcast or two ago, and that's talking about the scandalous Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox, but more probably the Astros. And we can talk a lot about what's now coming out, but the fact that the commissioner didn't ban Hinch and Luna from baseball forever is a miscarriage of whatever justice there is in baseball. The fact that he did not punish any player for openly cheating on the digital signals that were being reproduced from outfield cameras and conveying them by banging a trash can and other methods that they employed to cheat. Now, everybody from time to time has stolen signals. It's part of the game. And that reminds me, and and I'll get back to that. I'm laughing because I said uh, that lead-in, oh, my gosh, back in the early 80s, this is a funny story. I will tell this story, and then I'm going to get back to the cheating champs, the Houston Astros. Now, the story goes, and I don't think I've told this before in season one. Maybe I have, but I, I've got uh, reminders in my office of this event. Okay, let me just get to the point because I sometimes I can drag things out, uh, making short stories long. My wife says I do that a lot. I probably do. This is a, this is a great story, and it's got a few little tales. So... If you remember, back in the 70s, the New York Yankees and the Kansas City Royals played on a number of occasions in the playoffs, and pretty typically the Yankees would prevail. In 1977, the Royals had the best record in baseball. The Yankees beat them in the playoffs. It wasn't until 1980 that the Royals were able to beat the Yankees in a playoff and go on to the World Series against the Philadelphia Phillies and uh, unfortunately lose. But that's not the story. That's a neat story. It was the first time in the history of my season tickets, which I got in 79, that the Royals ended up in the World Series in 1980. Pretty cool. At any rate, the Yankees come to town a year or two later, and this is when uh, Mattingly and Barra were on the team. And uh, Don Mattingly and Dale Barra were off at the plaza having a little dinner and maybe drinking a little too much when apparently they both had an urge in the parking lot of one of the high... There's a multi-level parking lot almost on every corner in the plaza. Uh, there's not much street parking there, and of course, that really you don't really need to know that, but I thought I'd throw that in to try to make this longer. Anyway, they both decided that rather than find a toilet, they would just urinate in the parking lot. Well, unfortunately for them, they did it in front of a security guard 
who approached them, and he didn't know who they were, and uh, maybe he didn't matter who they were. But Dale Bear apparently decided to play Joe Frazier and, uh, you know, swung from Beaufort, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina. It's Beaufort, North Carolina, where I think is the home of Joe Frazier, and Beaufort, South Carolina, where Paris Island is. Again, does that matter to anything? No. Bear takes a swing. They arrest them, and they both hire yours truly to represent them. So... Our firm at that time was involved. We had represented Dick Hauser and Hal McRae, Rocky Calavito. We had kind of a, uh, a cottage industry in representing the Royals, and we also represented the pharmaceutical company that the owner of the Royals owned, Marion Laboratories, with Ewing Kaufman. Anyway, so uh, continuing to make a short story long, by the time this got continued and continued and continued, and finally got to the court system, Dale Barra was out of baseball. And there were rumors about why he was out of baseball. But he was out of baseball. And so that left Mattingly. And so um, I was in trial, I can't remember what, on a whole different matter, uh, defending someone in a case out in Johnson County, Kansas. And uh, anyway... We win that trial. I just thought I'd throw that in. It's not advertising anymore because I don't practice law anymore. But it was a, another fun victory in the uh, uh, win column for James Uretsky, attorney at law. So anyway, back to Mattingly. In the, during that trial, um, the prosecutor contacted me and said, hey, look, we'll dismiss the charges against Mattingly and Barra if uh, Mattingly agrees to play in a charity softball event with Willie Wilson, and uh, they, he signs a few baseballs. And I, you know, called Mattingly, and, uh, of course, that was a great deal. And I get the deal done, and then someone in my firm went over with uh, uh, the lawyer for the city. Without Mattingly around, they got the case dismissed. Boom. Uh, and Mattingly ultimately played in a wheelchair softball game, but that's really not the point of the story either. Well, you ask, what in the world is the point of the story? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. So, win my case, I go to the Yankee-Royals game, Mattingly leaves tickets, I have the benefit of watching the game with his lovely, with Mattingly's wife, and we had just a great time, probably drank a little too much, and when I get home, our babysitter tells me, hey, the uh, Kansas City Star's calling. Uh, and been calling five or ten times trying to get you to talk about why, what happened with Don Mattingly. I said, all right. I ignored it, drove the babysitter home, came back, and the phone rings about midnight. It's a reporter for the Kansas City Star, and he goes, hey, I understand that the city dropped the charges against Mattingly, and I go, yeah, you know, that's all. it was in everybody's best interest to do that. And his response was, well, it doesn't sound like it was in the city of Kansas City's best interest. This guy assaulted a police officer. They urinated in public. And why in the world did we drop the charges? And I then made the, the idiotic mistake, A, of talking to somebody after I had had an, an adult beverage at the ball game, and B, not really thinking about what I was saying. I said, look, everybody from time to time has taken a leak down at the plaza. And, uh, of course, that was the main part of his article. And I had some, it's hard to hide when your name's Uretsky. I had a lot of people calling me, uh, with some disparaging remarks about what they were going to do in the plaza, or better yet, during the seventh inning stretch at uh, Kauffman Stadium. Be that as it may, I've got Mattingly signed a jersey some years later for me. It's hanging in my office. And then there's a cartoon. Back when newspapers had editorial cartoonists, great cartoon, and Mattingly and Barabo signed it. I don't know how they found Barra again, but he must have surfaced. And... You know, number two, Dale Barra, number 23, Mattingly, in front of a judge, and the judge is quoted as saying in this cartoon, the lawyer's going to the judge, forgive them, Your Honor, they're from New York, where all the streets are urinals. And so, you know, was that worth 10 minutes of my podcast? Maybe not. But back to the cheating Astros, as I told you, we were going to get to that. Things are starting to come out, and people are sending me more and more information as this podcast gets circulated to more and more people, uh, items to research, look at, and, and evaluate. Uh, in particular, 
someone, if you can believe this, cataloged on YouTube every baseball game the Astros played in 2017. You can go and hear them bang the drum slowly. Ah, yes, that was a good movie. Bang the drum slowly. Now, the Astros may not have banged the drum slowly on every occasion, but they banged the heck out of this. And for my favorite major leaguer, big left-handed player who's rehabbing without a team, and I hope he finds a team, Sammy Solis went in in the 11th inning of a Nationals game in 2017 against the Astros in the Minute Maid Park and uh, got a save despite 45 bangs of the drum just in the inning that Sammy pitched. And, of course, Sammy fooled everybody, got the save, but as his dad points out, it should have been worth more than one save. Anyway, this cheating was rampant. Baseball had to know it was rampant. It went on through the playoffs, the World Series, and the punishment should have been, in my opinion, strike them all from the World's Championship, give back the rings, give back your World Series shares, and donate that money to charity. It ain't going to happen because Mr. Manfred decided to soft-pedal it. $5 million, a couple draft choices, no big deal. And now it's coming out that Beltran and Cora and a few others even after the manager smashed the monitors, got a different monitor in there, even when some of the players said this ain't cool, basically said tough toenails were stepping it up. Now, why didn't Hinch stop this? Plain and simple. Why didn't Lunau stop it? Why didn't Joe Torre stop it when he was sitting next to the dugout? at the Astros games when they were all on notice that these guys were cheating. Well, Tom Verducci, and you know my feeling about Verducci, he's a fine writer for a magazine that's outdated, that's Sports Illustrated, who may limit their publications to once a month because nobody really reads that publication anymore. Verducci decides, and MLB Network is... Fostered Verducci, featured Verducci on shows all the time. And I said, this basically average journalist thinks he's not only a pitching coach and a hitting coach, but anyway, he thinks he's a broadcast journalist, which I take issue with. But hey, he's a public figure. What can I say? So he does an exclusive interview with A.J. Hinch, and they run it on MLB Network in prime time. And I got to tell you, I haven't looked at any of the tweets. I haven't looked at blogs. I've talked to a few people who also watched it, and their opinion is, as mine was, I'm not sure what was worse, Verducci or Hinch. I'd have to say Verducci because he should have known better than to lob softball after softball after softball at this guy. And maybe that's the only way Hinch would talk to him is under the agreement that he not ask him a pertinent question. And then Hinch, who, to Verducci's credit, he did play the press conference clip in 2019 where the Yankees were accusing the Astros again of cheating. And Hinch basically laughed. And even though he knew they were investigated from 2017 at the time, he knew that they were going to get nailed. He's laughing like, oh, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And, and so Verducci said, well, you know, looking at your reaction, what do you think? Well, and, and listen to that interview. Hinch just says, well, you know, I wasn't the leader that I think I am now back in 2017. I should have stopped it. It was my call. The buck stops with me, da-da-da-da-da. Never did they ask, well, why in the world did you not stop it? Why in the world did you smash a TV, and then why didn't you go to the team with the general manager and even the owner and say, enough is enough. This has got to end. Don't do it anymore. Well, I have no idea why he didn't, because Verducci didn't ask that question. The simple question is, sir, having said what you said, explain to me why you didn't go to Carlos Beltran, Alex Cora, or anybody else on that team that was a ringleader in this deal, and, and 
tell them to cease and desist immediately or they were going to be suspended. Plain and simple. Was it because, A, you were afraid to rattle that group, that clique, that subculture in the Houston Astros clubhouse? You didn't want to do that? You didn't have the nerve to do that? Or B, hey, you know, if it helps us win games, I'm going to stick my head in the sand. How in the world, sir, did you think that you were not going to get caught when a player left the Astros? Well, you know, didn't ask that question. But Hattie would have said, well, I don't know, the buck stops with me. He said that all the time. It was a wimpy interview, wimpy answers, and we don't know the answer to it. But I have some some thoughts on the subject, and I don't want to be construed as picking out a group of demographics on the team, but I will resort back to the uh, Ned Yost era with the Kansas City Royals, and I can't remember what year it was, either 2011, 12, 13, it was before they won the uh, American League championship series, which was in 14, and then they won the World Series in 15. He had a problem with a number of uh, Latin American ballplayers, some of which were bullpen players that had pitchers that had DRAs around one. And they had an undue influence over some of the other Latinos in the clubhouse that were either younger or whatever. And apparently some influence over the rest of the team to the extent that Ned Yost, who I've never really said too many nice things about, had the nerve to send these guys off, get rid of them, whether it helped the team or hurt the team. Now, do I know that Beltran and Cora, uh, Gonzalez and others were the heart and soul of this cheating plan and that the other guys just went along with it? I don't know. Will that come out? Maybe, gradually. Um, Gonzalez, who's now with the Twins, gave a press conference, and he apologized and said he was sorry. But he said, if I you know, told you that I thought it should stop, I'd be lying. And uh, listen to that. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Anyway, the whole situation has been so badly mishandled. The fact that 30 players came in under the promise of basically immunity and said whatever it was they said, and the other shoe hasn't dropped with the Red Sox, it is a bad mark for baseball. And, uh, you know, Billy Ripken on one of the MLB network shows said, hey, look, the best way to eliminate all this is to put the video equipment for replays up in the press box. You don't need to be near the dugout. Everybody can get on the phone, and you can go thumbs up, thumbs down, just as easily hit a little button. I said that they ought to call the pitches from the press box and notify the catcher and the pitcher, and if they want to let the infielders know what's coming on, that's okay too. But um, getting rid of the video replay equipment is the best way to go, and, and that will assure everybody that they can't do it and have a 10- or 15-second delay. Baseball knew it. It was the same thing with the PEDs, and... Um, they didn't do anything about it because uh, <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I don't know why. And Hinch says he never got the memo from Major League Baseball saying cease and desist that came out in September, middle of September of 2017. He says Lunau never showed it to him. Major League Baseball says it went to both the manager and the general manager. So tell me, you know, what the scoop is. Tell me what, what's going on. And, and if Hinch gets a job in baseball again, Wow. Uh, you know, is it to forgive and forget? Under that scenario, if we're going to forgive and forget, guess who jumped on the, uh, the cheating bandwagon? Now, it wasn't Joe Jackson, who I contend should be in the Hall of Fame, because he hit 375 in the World Series. He was accused of stealing uh, from the fans, throwing the 1919 Black Sox scandal. But Pete Rose, who is still alive, filed to reinstate himself in baseball and used as his 
basis for argument that the pathetic penalties given to the Houston Astros and ignoring the players that cheated the fans, Pete ought to be in the Hall of Fame. Pete ought to have his, his status reinstated, and once that happened, I guarantee he'd be voted in the Hall of Fame. Well, maybe not. You still have Roger Clements, and you still have Barry Bonds looking in from outside. And uh, we'll go over the Hall of Fame guys next time. We'll go over the, the uh, great guys in the Negro Leagues that are being celebrated for the 100-year anniversary, the Cool Papa Bells, the Josh Gibsons, the Buck O'Neills, the Satchel Page. These guys were either in the Hall of Fame or should have been in the Hall of Fame. And uh, that'll be cool. But what do you think about Rose? What do you think? Should Pete be reinstated because uh, Manfred dropped the ball? Um, I don't know. Boy, there are a lot of Band-Aid approaches going on. That was a Band-Aid approach to punishing the Astros. The uh, speeding up the game Band-Aid approach, what they're doing uh, with having to pitch to three guys and limit the October or the September call-ups to uh, 28, both of which I think are good rules, but you need a pitch clock and a buzzer and boom, boom, boom. So anyway, those are the things we've talked about. That concludes segment two. It is going to be a fun time. I'm telling you what, we're going to come back in segment three and we're going to talk about the Pakota standings. And uh, then I'm going to tell you, in, in regards to going over those standings, I'm going to kind of tell you who I think uh, from each division is a team that I'm going to watch and enjoy watching. So, uh, Jamie Reske on the lighter side of baseball. I hope you stay tuned to segment three, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. And back we are. We're going to try to keep all of our broadcasts in that 45-minute range. Probably won't be able to do it. But there's so much going on right now. You've got um, the proposed new playoff format that I think is kind of a smokescreen for the upcoming labor negotiations at the end of uh, 2021. And uh, then you've got the speed of the game going on. You've got starting in uh, March going on. And you've got this new playoff format, which, you know, I think is okay. And they need to tweak the format of the playoffs. But they're trying to get an extra team in the playoffs, go to seven teams in each league. I think the only way that that's going to get some traction is to expand to 32 teams. They used to talk about that, and now that's been gone. But segment three, I told you we'd talk a little bit about the Pakoda standings. Now, the Pakoda standings are an acronym for a computer-generated assessment of sabermetrics. And I don't like computers, and I don't like sabermetrics, but I'm going to go over these. They batted 500 last year. They picked three out of six winners, and let me tell you what. I think you could pick the winners based on the salary, as I said, and what's been going on with those guys, with those types of deals. So um, I, we, I think we were spot on with everybody but maybe the Twins last year. And so let's look at... And I'm going to freelance a few comments when, when we go over these. But basically, the Pakoda standings for the... Uh, and let's go with what I'm interested in first, because we may come back and do this another time with some of the others. I'm going to go to the National League, and I'm going to start with the National League Central. Now, of the National League Central, that's the Reds, the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Brewers, and the Pirates... Who do I think is the most fun team to watch besides the Cubs for this year? I think the, the Reds. Uh, I, and the Pakota folks picked the Reds to win the National League Central with 86 games, give or take a one-tenth of a game. How do you have a tenth of a game? Uh, you only play an inning. Nah. So 86-87 wins for the Reds. That's the most. I disagree. I think the Cubs and the Cardinals are going to both get in uh, that 90 range. So 
Um, I'm looking forward to that because I have season tickets and it's fun to go out there and I love hanging out around Wrigley Field. We're going to do more podcasts with more people. Uh, we're going to have Lloyd, the beer guy. He's going to be one of my first interviews as this season gears up. So that's the National League Central. I pick the Cubs to win. I pick the Cardinals to finish second, the Reds to finish third, the Brewers fourth, and the Pirates. Man, oh, man, this is one of my teams that should mandatorily have their ownership thrown out of baseball and get a new investment group in there to get some talent. They keep dishing people away, dishing people away. Garrett Cole, how do you let Garrett Cole go? And everybody else, they are gone. Oh, man, you know, it's a lot of money. People don't come to the games. Da-da-da-da-da, baloney. Everybody ought to be paying $150 million minimum salary. Okay, see, when I get through these standings, I can address all sorts of things. So let's look at the National League West because one of my best listeners, my favorite listener, is a San Diego Padres fan. And uh, I, he's listened to every podcast. Now, if anybody else out there has listened to every podcast, you give me a call or send an email to me because I want to buy you dinner. Uh, now, I'll even take your word for it that you've listened to every podcast. And, uh, you know, if I publish my phone number, you can call me. But right now we don't have a phone or a, or a uh, website dedicated to this, but we're going to make one. Okay, so National League West, y- you just, you know, how do you not pick the Dodgers again? Just like last year, Pakota picks the Dodgers, I pick the Dodgers. I mean, you have to really try hard um, in order to have Dave Roberts flop with this team. Now they've got Kershaw, Bueller, and Price. Wow. I mean, you don't even have to have a manager. You just go out and play every day. And, you know, the Jack Peterson deal went south with the Angels. I don't know why, uh, but... Another team that's going to be fun to watch in that division, I think, will be the Padres, mostly because my favorite listener is a Padres fan. D-backs, boring, but better. Rockies, they got a pissed-off third baseman. I know they're trying to figure out how can we trade parts. How can we trade parts of our team flip-flop with the Cubs? Bryant for Arenado. Take that deal today. Today, today, today. It's the only guy I can see getting rid of Chris Bryant for would be Nolan Arenado. Man, hello. That would be great. So you could have Arenado at third, Betts in left. Bring on the pennant, baby. But do we have that? No. We got Bryant, who's great. Not taking anything away from KB. Lost his grievance. That's okay. He's the player rep. That's cool. Don't have Mookie. We got Schwarby out there in left field, and here we go. Good team. Fun team. Picking the Cubs. Picking the Dodgers. On to the National League East. Wow. What a frigging great division. Now, who's going to be fun to watch? I think the Marlins. They are another team that should have their ownership thrown out of baseball and a new team in because they'd go from, from being bozos to not. Now, some people think they have a lot of exciting players. I don't. So you got the Phillies and Pakoda finishing fourth. The Braves, who've won the division the last couple of years, finishing third. The world champion Washington Nationals finishing second. And the New York Mets, year in, year out. Great pitching. Eh, they're picked first. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the number one team from that division is either going to be the Braves or the Phillies. That's my guess. And then how do you pick against the Nationals with Scherzer and Strasburg? You don't, but I did. Anyway, that's the National League. Now, there's only one team that Pakota picks to win 100 games, and that's the Dodgers. I disagree. I think that the uh, Mets and the Nationals and the Braves could all win 100 games. Never know. But they'll certainly win more than what Pakota's given them. Okay, let's quickly switch over to the American League. Uh, yeah, you can't root for the Yankees, sorry. So who's a fun team to watch? Not the Orioles. They're pathetic. The lawyer that owns them should be thrown out of baseball. The Blue Jays are boring. I don't know why anybody would watch them. The Red Sox are interesting. The Rays are really an, an anomaly. It's a big word. An anomaly. 
It's a tough word after you say an anomaly. And then the Rays, uh, the Yankees are going to win that division. They're just solid. they got Garrett Cole and who knows who else. A couple major players have had surgery, so they're not going to be around for a few months. Then you got the uh, AL West, and my favorite team to watch there is going to be skippered by Cool Joe Madden. Those Los Angeles Angels, they've got Rondon at third. Uh, They've got good pitching. They've got good hitting, and they've got Mike Trout. They're going to win that. They're going to beat out the Astros, who are going to be plagued everywhere they go with, oh, my God, he's 0 for 15. Well, that's because you don't know what pitch is coming, dude. And they're going to drop like a friggin' anvil, in my opinion. You got the A's, which, God bless Billy Bean, they are always good. I don't know how. Give them $150 million, Give Bean some money and, let's, and a new ballpark, and let's see where they are. Then you got the Rangers with their new ballpark. Oh, hum. And the Mariners. You know, where's Ichiro when you need him? He's gone. So there you got the Pakoda standings. Let me recap. Under Pakoda, they have the Yankees winning the AL East. Okay. Hope not. Maybe not. But probably. In the American Central, they got the Twins winning again. Uh, Hope not. I'm picking the White Sox. Go Pale Hoes. That's who I'm picking. Uh, And I'm going to go to some games. Detroit and... Royals, oh my God, new owner, and they still suck. Put, you paid a billion dollars, at least get 150 out there for your payroll. I'm going to go to the Tigers game on a couple of occasions, so I hope they're better than they look. And then the AL West, I'm going with the Angels over the Astros, the Athletics, Rangers, and Mariners. Eh. So we need a couple more teams. It's going to be exciting. Of the exciting team, the teams that have a realistic chance of winning, the Yankees, the Indians, the Twins, the White Sox, and the Angels, maybe the Astros, in the National League, the Mets, the Nationals, the Phillies, the Braves, all have a chance to win. The Cubs, Cardinals, Reds, I don't know about the Reds, but maybe. And then the Dodgers, boom. Who sucks? The big sucking six. The Rockies, the Giants, the Pirates, the Marlins, the Orioles, the Royals, the Tigers, and the... Is that six? Maybe it's six. I don't know. That's what I'm going with. Those guys suck. Their payrolls suck. They need to get more money into it. But, hey, remember I said in the spring, hope spring's eternal. And uh, so there you go. We have next podcast, we're going to be doing that from Arizona. We're going to talk about the Negro Leagues every podcast because I think that... Those guys deserve so much credit, and there's some players that I'm going to talk about that, uh, you know, they're not the cool Papa Bells. They're not the Josh, Josh Gibsons, the Satchel Page. They're guys that maybe not everybody heard of, but it's only fitting uh, to old Nelly that we talk about the Negro Leagues and some of their stars. And uh, so this will be the third season where I've had to have imaginary conversations with my buddy Nelly. Um, I think he would agree with me on the cheating. I think he would not necessarily pick a demographic to criticize about the cheating. And uh, maybe he's right. I mean, I think, again, the owner of the Astros, the general manager slash president of baseball operations and the manager should have been banned for life from baseball, period. Simple. You know what? Gonzo, we warned you. You blew it off, and uh, I would void that championship. And I'm not sure about the Red Sox in 2018, but there's the same guy, Cora. And uh, anyway, you know, is it going to, like, is this old old news is this water under the dam is this dirty laundry somebody else's that really shouldn't matter about I'll tell you what let me leave you with this and it goes back to uh, where I think baseball has kind of lost its way pitcher with the White Sox Farquad I think his name was and there's a beautiful YouTube about how they he figured out that they were stealing his signals he calls the catcher out to talk to him, 
catcher goes back and and then they change up their signals and uh, crossed up the Astros and I think he got a guy out or two. Instead of covering his mouth and talking to his catcher, the move would have been take the ball and run it in to the buttocks of the batter. If they continued banging the drum, go up the ladder. Hit two or three guys, get thrown out. Get the next pitcher in there to hit two or three guys, he gets thrown out. The managers get thrown out. It stops their cheating. Hit Bregman. Hit Altuve. Hit Springer. And (laughs) that would get it stopped. Run over McCann plow into the catcher, and then let them know. You guys are stealing our signs. We don't like it. You're cheating. So, you don't do that anymore. You don't break up double plays. You don't run into the catcher, and nobody ever hits anybody. Brush them back. They were cheating. These guys caught them in the act, and they should have been retaliated against under the old guise of, we handle our situations within the game. Well, that didn't happen. And so, you know, you have what you have. But 2017, 2018, world champions that are tainted forever. Does anybody care? Do you put an asterisk there? Eh, too late. Let's get on with that. Bygones are bygones. This is 2020. This is a great year for baseball, a great year for fandom, and I am looking forward to it. So, for On the Lighter Side of Baseball, Jamie Oreski with Episode 2 Season two saying, send this podcast to your buddies and let's get some great conversations going as we figure out technically, technologically, how to get a little give and take and a little play from our listening audience, which grows every day. So, again, on the lighter side of baseball, on iTunes, on Spotify, and on SoundCloud, wishing you guys a great time a snow melt that's around the corner some drives down the middle of the fairway and that sweet smell of fresh cut grass and the noise that pitchers and catchers make when they're whipping that ball into the catcher i can't wait to hear it next week so have a great day and uh, we'll catch you from scottsdale arizona next week thank you 